join me in Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2 is where we're going to be studying today. I titled my message, After Christmas, What? (laughs) After Christmas, Now What? Um, I was in the Family Dollar on Wednesday, December 23rd, and I was buying some last minute items, and it, it seemed like going to going to Family Dollar was like a daily event this week. Uh, I'd go there and I'd forget something every time. Uh, and I thought I got everything, and even on Christmas Day I had to go out and get something. I felt so sinful, but I needed it. So, uh, But, you know, I'm <clears throat> really glad to have, have them open. But uh, I was standing in line, and this day I uh, went at my lunch hour, and man, it seemed, it seemed like everybody was in the Family Dollar store in town. And we had this long line that was wrapped wrapped around. Everyone's getting their last minute stuff, and so I'm waiting in line. And you know how how it is in the store. They have all those items up front there to kind of catch your eye. You know, last minute things that you might think about, like batteries or you know little uh, five dollar gifts that maybe you can get for somebody, little stocking stuffers and so forth and so on. But I'm sitting here and I'm waiting to get to the register because I only have one person checking people out and. I was looking over to the side, I was thinking about maybe some stocking stuffers maybe I can get while I was there, and looking, they had Cadbury eggs at the bottom of the rack. And I was like, who buys Cadbury eggs at Christmas time? And then I looked over and they had other Easter candy there. And I was like, what? you got to be kidding me. It's December 23rd. It's not even Christmas yet. And they got Easter candy already out. But uh, I talked to the cashier about it and was giving her a hard time. And she says, yep, and you know, that stuff's been back there for a while. We've just been wanting to get it out of the way. It's been back there. They ordered it a long time ago. And I was like, wow, it's amazing. You know, after Christmas, everything goes on sale. You know, this next week, we're going to get to go. And actually, some people probably already putting some stuff on discount. They're trying to get all the Christmas stuff out, you know. And after Christmas, same thing with decorations. They're going to be taking around all the Christmas tree except for my mother-in-law she likes to leave those up all year long it seems like uh but anyway you know they they have they have these christmas decorations they're going to take them down and we're going to go on to the next thing easter's the next money-making thing you know it's the next big hurrah and um i want to just challenge you as we look at this passage in luke chapter 2 it's right after christ's birth that i want to challenge you with the fact that many times after christmas we sideline, we pack Christ away. We pack Jesus away, and He's not important anymore during the week until Easter comes around again. And, and we see this. you know, We see people that just kind of show up only at Christmas time, and then they never come again to church. But that's kind of uh, what, what the trend is. Uh, you know, These people after Christmas, they just pack Christ away, or they sideline Christ. And you know, for we as, we as God's people... Uh, there's a temptation for us as well to sideline Christ and not make Him as important as He should. I hope that you had a great Christmas. You know, sometimes I, there has been Christmases in the past where we've had, you know, sickness and we've had some trials. And, you know, you remember those Christmases and you kind of don't like those as much. But this Christmas, you know, no one really was t- that sick, you know. And we were able just to really keep our focus on Christ. It was so encouraging to me to hear my kids talking about 
you know, Jesus being the real reason for why we celebrate Christmas. And they were waiting. I mean, this is the first time this ever happened. They waited to even open, you know, get stuff out of their stocking or their gifts until we read the Christmas story. Usually we're having to kind of hold them back, you know, (laughs) and everything because that's all there. But, you know, that was such a blessing to me and it seemed like it was all focused on Christ. And I hope that your Christmas was focused on Christ, but what about the rest of the year? Is Jesus important every day of the year? He is. He is important every day of the year. And we must prioritize Jesus even more after Christmas because all the decorations are going to go down. You know, the nativity scenes are going to go down. People are going to stop, you know, it's not going to be as common to be talking about Jesus Christ. So how much are you going to center your life on Christ after this Christmas? The narrative that we are studying here in Scripture takes place right after the birth of Christ. And it focuses on four four people and how they centered their lives on Christ after His birth. And how should you live centered on Jesus Christ? Uh, verse 21 says, And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcision of the child, His name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before He was conceived in the womb. And when the days of Mary's purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought Him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. The first two people we're going to be looking at is Joseph and Mary. Joseph and Mary, they're, they're the ones that are described in verses 21 through 24. And we see that the shepherds are gone, the angels are gone. And how are they going to raise this child now? Really, they could have raised Jesus the way they wanted to, if they, if they, if they really. But they were given some specific instructions, and God made His will known, and they were committed to obeying God's revealed will. And so, one way that you can center your life on Jesus after Christmas is follow the example of Joseph and Mary. Live committed to Jesus after Christmas and to fulfilling God's will. Uh, they, they were committed to God's will in three different ways. First of all, in verse 21, they named Jesus according to what God wanted, according to God's will. It says, And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived of the womb. In Luke chapter 1, verse 31, Gabriel came to Mary and said, And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, Gabriel comes to Joseph and speaks to him. And this is before the birth of Christ, but after, the, after Mary is carrying the Christ child. And Gabriel says, And she, Mary, shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now, the naming of Hebrew boys, uh, it, it started on the eighth day with a little boy named Isaac. That was Abraham's son, Isaac. And so on the eighth day is when that all began. And so they were continuing to do that even until the time of Christ in the first century. And Jesus was called, and the child was called Jesus because He would save His people from their sins. And we know from what the shepherds said that it's not actually saved. 
the Jews, but save all people, all nations. And Jesus actually means Jehovah saves. It's the word, the Old Testament name, Joshua. And Acts chapter 4, verse 12 says, Neither is there salvation any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Now, Joseph and Mary, if we could put ourselves in their shoes, the angels are gone, the shepherds are gone, no one's really around. It's the eighth day after the birth of Christ, right after Christmas, okay, the first Christmas. And they could have named him whatever they want, but they submitted to what God wanted. They were committed to God's name for the, for the Savior. The second thing is they circumcised Jesus according to God's will. In verse 21, it says on the eighth day, also they circumcised Jesus and they named him Jesus. Now, um, God instituted circumcision with Abraham in Genesis 17. And, you know, this cov- and it was a sign of a covenant that was between Abraham and God. Now, this covenant with Abraham and God, it was two sides of it, okay? Uh, God promised some things, and, and Abraham also promised some things. Abraham promised to serve and worship only the, the uh, only God, the one that was revealed to him, the Most High God. Okay, and he promised that he would raise his kids to do the same thing. And God promised that if he would do that, that he would multiply his family, that he would also give his family all the land of Canaan. And then all, lastly, uh, God promised that all nations would be blessed by His seed. And we're going to come back to that. So you have this covenant that God made with Abraham. And then you have about 400 and something years after that, according to Galatians chapter 3, the law is given by Moses. Okay, The law is given to Moses by God. Okay, Now, what is, how does the law relate to this covenant? Well, this covenant, Abraham says, hey, my kids and I am going to serve and worship you. But the law that God gave to Abraham's descendants explained how to specifically worship and serve God. Okay? It, didn't, it didn't cancel out this covenant that God made with God, uh, excuse me, that God made with Abraham. It didn't cancel that at all, according to Galatians chapter 3. So when a Hebrew, I'm saying all this to make this point, when a Hebrew boy would be circumcised. What did that really mean? What did that really mean? Um, it assumed that the it imposed that that child was going to assume the obligations of the law of God. Okay, they were going to assume all the obligations of the law of God written in the first five books of the Bible. Okay, and also that baby or that boy was going to anticipate the promises that God gave to Abraham if he obeyed that law. Okay, Now, this is very important because Jesus was made under the law. I actually missed this. In Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, it says, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that He that we might receive the adoptions of sons. Okay? There was a reason why Jesus was Jesus didn't have to be he didn't have to submit to all the the customs of uh, not the customs but the this ritual of circumcision but he chose to do that. 
because it was the only way that he was going to fulfill the law perfectly and be the perfect sacrifice is what I'm getting at. Uh, The third way that they obeyed God's will that was revealed to them is they presented Jesus according to God's will in Scripture. It says there in verse 22, And when the days of Mary's purification according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought Jesus to Jerusalem to present Him to the Lord. So Joseph and Mary went to Jerusalem 32 days after this circumcision took place. Or, if you add the eight days before that, 40 days after Jesus was born. Okay, So this is the 40, Jesus is 40 days old when they take Him to the temple. And after this birth, Mary was spiritually unclean. If she touched anything um, after, after delivering this child, it would have been unclean. It would have been defiled. So she couldn't even go to the temple of Jerusalem until those 40 days were complete. And she would go to Jerusalem and she would offer a burnt and sin offering for her sin. That's what the, the two turtle doves are about, or the two pigeons. And they both, Joseph and Mary, would dedicate Jesus according to the law. Now, God required that Jesus, that every Hebrew, Hebrew firstborn son was dedicated to him. And what did that mean? He was, they were set aside, set apart to God to serve him. Okay? And Jesus fulfilled this dedication from beginning to end. That's the point. I could go in a little bit further detail about the firstborn and all this stuff, but I'm not going to bore you with those details. But the point of the matter is, Jesus was named according to God's will, revealed will. He was, named, he was circumcised according to the Word of God. He was also presented to God according to... And why was that? Why was that? What is the big point? Because He perfectly fulfilled the will of God the Father. Jesus was the seed of Abraham that God promised to Abraham in Genesis chapter 22, verse 18, where He said, All nations shall be, by, shall be blessed through by your seed. And Paul writes about this in Galatians chapter 3, verse 16. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not into seeds, plural, as of many, but as of one, and to, thy, and to thy seed, which is Christ. See, when God made that covenant with Abraham, He was talking about Christ the whole time. About this seed that would come. And that would bless all nations. Now how would Christ bless all nations? Through providing a way of salvation for all mankind. For every person. No matter if they're Jew or they're not Jew. That's why Jesus came. And He fulfilled the law perfectly. He came to fulfill, according to Matthew chapter 5, Jesus said in His public ministry, I came not to destroy the law, but to fulfill it. And He came as a sinless sacrifice to save us from our sins. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says that God made Him to be sin for us who knew no, uh, who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. And that is the only way we could have been made righteous by God is if Jesus came and He was sinless and He died in our, in our place for the penalty of our sin. So when we accept Christ as our Savior today, if you haven't accepted Him already or when someone does that, what they're doing is they're believing in what Jesus did on the cross for salvation they believe that they are a sinner. They acknowledge they can't save themselves. 
that they have been a rebel and an enemy of God, and they trust in what Jesus did on the cross and dying in their place for their sins. And when they do that, their sinfulness, all their sin debt, is exchanged with the righteousness of Christ. Actually, Jesus already paid for that 2,000 years ago. But that exchange happens and they are justified or declared righteous before God. It's not a ritual. It's not a work of theirs, lest they should boast. It's the work of Christ and Christ alone. And so, here, Mary and Joseph are committed to raising Jesus God's way. Um, over our Christmas break, we got we watched A Wonderful Life. We bought that film. We've watched it before, but Josiah's never watched it. And we got to stay out late and watch that with him. And I'm not sure if you remember, I'm not going to spoil the whole thing, but um, I'm not sure if you remember George Bailey, but he is part of the Savings and Loan there in Bedford Falls. And Okay, I'm going to give too much detail. But the fact of the matter is, is this his um, antagonist is Mr. Potter. Okay, And he is the rich wealthy citizen in town and and everyone he pretty much has bought the whole town up or he's in pursuit of it when his when George's father's alive and when um, George's father dies you know George has plans to leave town you know to get out of town go to college he wants to travel the world and Mr. Potter when his dad when George's dad dies he wants to close down the savings and loan he wants to uh, cause people to go to his his uh, business and to live in his houses so he can get some more money and he can get richer. And anyway, George Bailey throughout the whole movie stands up to the greedy schemes of Mr. Potter. I mean, it's every little opportunity he gets to make a buck and to take advantage of people, he does this and George Bailey stands up to him. He, uh, I wrote down a couple of things. He gives up his college dreams and stays at home for that. He gives up his honeymoon fund to go on this vacation with his new wife to bail out, you know, the savings and loan. He uh, gives up a lucrative career that Mr. Potter offers him. But when his kids are threatened later in the movie and they go through a crisis where his kids may starve and his wife may be destitute and they may, not, they may lose the house that they have and they're already poor, but they're going to be even poorer. We see George Bailey go to Mr. Potter, who he stood against all this time, and he's willing, and he gets on his knees and humbles himself, and he says, I need your help. Of course, uh, you'll have to watch the movie to see if he gets it. But he was committed to his, the welfare of his kids, you know, to such an extent that he would, he would humble himself before this greedy, evil man. And as I consider Joseph and Mary... They had an awesome responsibility in raising the Christ child. But they took it seriously and they were committed to raising Jesus according to the will of God. My challenge to you is, how committed are you to fulfilling the will of God in your home? You know, you think about it. What if Jesus was in your home? Would it make a difference? You know, how would that change your home? Well, in reality, if you know the Lord is your Savior whether it's just you or both you and your spouse, Jesus is in your home. He is. He lives. His Spirit lives within you. The Spirit of God lives within you. And Jesus should be in your home. And is it making a difference? How committed are you and your family to the Lord Jesus Christ, especially as we look forward to 2017? 
How committed are you going to be to the Lord Jesus Christ? Is there an area in your life that's not surrendered to the Lord? You're kind of holding back uh, from the Lord. Second of all, uh, the second way you can center your life on Christ after Christmas is not only live committed to Christ, but live focused on Jesus after Christmas. We, you know, Jesus may return and rapture His church in 2017. And like, oh, 17. I keep saying, it's 16? Oh, I skipped a year. Oh, it's leap year. I already skipped it. Okay, it's leap year next year. Thanks for correcting me. I wrote the wrong year in the in my notes. So, that's why I need to have Crystal proofread my sermon. Right? Thank you, honey. Appreciate it. Is that where you guys are snickering about too? Okay. I was like, why are they not listening to me? Okay, but anyway, um, in Revelation, John says, you know, even, amen, even so come, Lord Jesus, come. And that should be our, our prayer as well. You guys got me all distracted now. But uh, we need, I want you to look at the second, uh, the second group of people, or the third person actually, it's Simeon. Uh, beginning in verse 25, it says, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and the same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. Let me just stop there. Um, it, Simeon's kind of a quirky old man. You ever met some of them? <laughs> okay, quirky young men. Uh, I might be one. But anyway, Simeon was kind of a quirky old man who kind of went in and out of the temple, very, you know, very old, but he was a man that we should respect because his focus was on Christ uh, after the birth of Christ. I kind of alluded this, alluded to this a little bit earlier in the month of December when we talked about the shepherds and how they went out glorifying God and telling everybody what the angels had said. And it's a possibility since they were in Bethlehem and so close to Jerusalem, they could have even been in Jerusalem and maybe Anna that we're going to be looking at and Simeon heard about this Christ child, but after Christmas, after the birth of Christ, Simeon is living, expecting the coming of Christ, even before then, but he's, he's wanting to see uh, the promised Christ child. And it changes the way he lives. If you uh, see in verse 25, it says that he was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Ghost was upon him. It changed the way he lived. And in 1 John chapter 3, verse 3, it talks about Jesus coming back for us. The second coming of Christ. And how every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. And so I challenge you to live differently. We see that Simeon, he lived just. Or he lived right before God. Um, you know, the Lord Jesus is going to come back in 1 John 2, chapter, chapter 2, verse 28 says, And now, little children... Abide in Christ that when He shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. And so I just challenge you to think about how you're living for the Lord right now. How focused are you? Uh, you know, sir, are you leading your home and, and worshiping the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you living for Him? Are you living for some other thing? Are you living devout to God? Now, we're devout, we kind of think as committed, but it actually means careful in handling something. You know, wouldn't you hate if you had a package come this Christmas and you had some, uh, it said fragile on it, and the UPS man said, here you go, and just threw it at you? Um, that word devout has to be, it talks about careful handling. 
And Simeon was careful in handling the things of God. He was a careful worshiper of God. And he also waited on God. He, was li- he lived day by day trusting in the Lord. He was waiting for the Messiah, the text says. But also he was waiting for the will of God to be done because God, the Holy Spirit, had revealed to him that he would not die until he saw the Lord's Christ. So he was waiting on God's timing, God's will to be done. And how patient he must have been just trusting the Lord day in and day out. And then lastly, he lived empowered by God. It says that the Holy Ghost was upon him. So he was a spiritual man. He was close to God. And we see this in the fact that God revealed truth to him. And in the next verse, in verse 26, it says that it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost. And also verse 27, he was directed by the Holy Ghost. So he was a spirit-empowered man. He was a godly man and he lived differently because he was, he was living, expecting the coming of Christ. It says in verse 26, And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took he him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy word, for mine eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast before, prepared before the face of all people, a light to lighten the Gentiles, and the glory of thy people Israel. And Joseph and his, mo- and his mother, talking about Mary, marveled at those things which were spoken of him. And so, see here, Simeon is focused on Christ. He's expecting the coming of Christ any time, but then he also is exalting the coming of Christ. He praises God that he got to see the salvation of God. And I was mentioning to Crystal in regards to this passage, should have mentioned about 2017, and you would have corrected me, but I was talking about you know Simeon and how you know blessed it was that he got to see the salvation of God before he died. And, and it is a blessing for the, for the believer. And we should thank God when that we that he turned on the light and he showed us the way of salvation through Christ before we died. There are thousands that are dying and going to hell. There's people that are dying and going to hell today, and some of them have never heard or maybe they've heard but they haven't seen that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life, and no man can come unto the Father but by him. And so we should praise God like Simeon for seeing the salvation of God but also for sending His salvation. And then also Simeon lived explaining the coming of Christ. It says in verse 34, And Simeon blessed Mary and Joseph and said unto Mary his mother, Behold, this child is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel. And for a sign which shall be spoken against, yea, a sword shall pierce through thine own soul also, that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. He revealed three things about Jesus here. That first of all, that when Jesus would come, he explained that when he would come, that he would bring conviction of sin. And people would receive him, and that would result in salvation. It says that uh, Jesus, this child, is set for the fall and rising again of many in Israel. So he's talking about people who are going to die and be raised again because they were saved. 
Jesus would reveal the truth resulting in strife. It says here that this child would be a sign which shall be spoken against. And see, Jesus was hated. And there was a lot of strife that was the result of His preaching because He preached against self-righteousness. You know, when Jesus, and that self-righteousness still exists today, where people in churches, they believe that they are righteous enough to earn their way to heaven. And the Bible says that it's by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. There ain't going to be no one in heaven saying, I earned my way to heaven. Because there's not going to be any boasting in heaven about how you got yourself there. It's going to be boasting about Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And that he, the Lamb was worthy uh, to be slain for the sins of the world. Jesus would also lay down His life resulting in sorrow. talks about Jesus, that there would be a sword that would pierce through the soul of His mother. And, that, and Jesus came, He obviously came to give His life a ransom for, for many. So I want to just bring you back to what I initially said, that Simeon lived focused on Jesus Christ. He... You know, he was committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. He was a devout man. But it seems like the Scriptures highlight that he was focused on him coming and focused on why he came, his mission and what he was coming to do. And how focused are you on the Lord Jesus Christ? Is he who you live for? Is he the one that you talk about with your family and your friends? And then the last person that we're going to look at here that was centered on Christ was Anna. It says in the text, and there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity, and she was a widow of about 84 years, which departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. I'm going to stop there. So this woman is kind of uh, this, I mean, this woman is a hundred plus in age. I mean, she had been a widow, she had been married for seven years, right? And she probably didn't get married until she was a teenager, we assume, right? Or, or a little bit later than that in those times in history. So she was seven plus 15, you know, maybe, maybe later than that. So 22, so 22 years when... She was 22 years old when her husband died. And then for 84 years, she lived as a widow and lived in the temple. So she was 100 plus, you know. And so this, she was, and so this older, saintly, outspoken woman comes into the temple, okay. And we see that she, she speaks up right away in verse 38. And she coming in that very instant that Simeon is praising the Christ child, she gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake unto him and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. And it says in verse 39, And when they had performed all these things according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own city, Nazareth. So here in verse 38, she comes in that very instant. That phrase, in that instant, is that she spoke immediately with urgency. Once she knew that the Messiah was there, she didn't, she didn't wait a little bit. She spoke immediately and with urgency. And it says that she gave thanks publicly 
for Christ. It says that she gave thanks likewise unto the Lord. Now the temple was a busy and crowded place. And this elderly dear saint of God, when she saw Christ, she didn't flinch a bit. She just started giving thanks publicly. And all these people going back and forth around her. Second thing that she did is that she gave witness of Christ continually. The last half of verse 38, she spake of the Christ child to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. And I think there's an application for you and me here that another way that we can live centered on Christ after Christmas is living outspoken for Christ. Living outspoken for Christ. Not only live committed to Him and focused on Him, but also outspoken for Him. We need some more ladies and men and women that are going to be outspoken like Anna and share Christ with others. That's going to speak up and say, you know, the Lord saved me from my sins and I want you to be saved too. And He can save you according to God's Word. Let me share God's Word with you. How committed are you? How focused are you on Christ? How outspoken are you for Christ Jesus? As we uh, think about this Christmas season, and Christmas is over now. We had Saturday to kind of wind down, maybe an extra holiday, or even to already take some of those things down. Are we going to join the rest of the town of Akron, the rest of the community, the rest of the United States, and put Christ away for the rest of the year? Or are we going to live sin- our life centered on Him? Jesus is important every day of the year, and you need to live committed to Him, focused on Him, and outspoken for Him in 2016. Booyah. Let's go ahead and close in prayer. Lord, we thank You so much for this time that we had to study Your Word and to consider the the message that that You have preserved in Your Word using these four different lies. I, I thank You, Lord, for Your Word and that there is um, in the message here that we need to live our lives centered on You after the birth of Christ is celebrated. And Lord, help us not to put Your Son away. Help us, Lord, to live for Him. Help us, Lord, to go out and, and show our commitment to Christ and, and be focused on Him and to be sharing Him with others. Help us, Lord, not to... Uh, join the rest of the world and be focused on New Year's Day and you know just get you know celebrating and getting back to work and losing weight and all the other stuff that everyone focuses on at the beginning of the year. Help us, Lord, to be committed to living for you this next year and to be more committed in in such a time that Christ is not being considered or celebrated after this month. And help us, Lord, to keep our eyes focused on you and centered on you in 2016. Pray, Lord, that you would just work in hearts. And Lord, if you've been working in the heart of someone in the room today or under the sound of my voice, and they need to make a decision for Christ, maybe they um, haven't accepted Jesus as their personal Savior, and they have been putting their faith in some baptism, some membership, some church, some body themselves. Uh, Lord, I pray that if you have opened up their eyes and they've seen that they need to be saved by putting faith in Jesus Christ alone. I pray that they would come forward or talk to a Christian friend and they would ask that person or me or someone else to show them in God's Word how they can be saved. Lord, we just thank You that it's so simple uh, that we can believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and Your Word promises, Thou shalt be saved. 
And Lord, we do pray for um, those in this room or under the sound of my voice that need to make um, a public decision in regards to their commitment to Christ. Maybe they have been saved, but they haven't followed you in believer's baptism. And for whatever reason that may be, or maybe they need to uh, become part of a local Bible preaching church. And it's Christ honoring, Christ exalting, I pray, Lord, that if it's your will that they join here, pray, Lord, that they would come forward and they would join today. And, and if there's any other decisions, Lord, if there's some strife in a home, strife in someone's soul, pray, Lord, that they would use this time to get with you and get some real victory in prayer. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.